Welcome to the Shepherd's Chapel Network Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Dennis Murray. Wisdom is understanding God's Word. Pastor Murray's unique teaching approach brings God's Word alive with meaning as he takes you on a chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study of God's letter to you, the Bible. And now, here is Pastor Dennis Murray. Good day to you. God bless you. Welcome to Shepherd's Chapel. Welcome to this Family Bible Study Hour. Ready to get back into our Father's Word here at the chapel? We invite you to get your Bible and join us if you care to. We'd uh, love to have you. We're going to pick it up today in Numbers, the fourth book of Moses, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, if you care to be opening your Bibles there. And it's time to check out the promised land. Uh, uh, Israel has been moving toward the promised land uh, somewhat slowly, and that's understandable uh, with the elderly people. They're moving their entire households, all their possessions, their flocks, their herds. Uh, It's a slow-moving group, but they're finally in a position where they can uh, send spies, as they're called and translated in the King James Version Bible, to check out the promised land, to, to see what kind of land is it, and, and is it hilly or is it flat? Uh, does it have trees? Uh, the people that live there, are there a lot of them or are there a few of them? Do they, are they nomadic peoples that live in tents or do they live in fortified cities? So there's a lot to be determined. and It's, it's uh, not a place that any of them had been in their life. So uh, understandable that they'd want to uh, send more on that in a moment. So let's ask that word of wisdom in Jesus' precious name, Father. We ask you to open eyes, open ears this day. We ask a blessing on this study today, Father. Chapter 13, verse 1, and it reads, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Now this is going to be the the people over the next several verses who were chosen uh, to make this expedition into the land of Canaan, the promised land. Verse 2, excuse me, send thou men uh, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And this is not to be confused with the uh, tribe princes that God named in chapter 1, starting with verse 5 and the following verses. Uh, These were uh, men of rank who were chosen. Uh, You could think of them of well-known leaders of the military, possibly. Now, you see, God had told Israel uh, from the beginning, all the way back, dating back to the Exodus when they left Egypt, that the land of Canaan, the promised land, was a land that flowed with milk and honey. He also told them about the giants that were there, but he said, no problem, I'll go before you. I will destroy your enemies before you and give you the victory. Uh, Just trust me and and follow my instructions. Well, would they? Verse 3. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran, All those men were heads or captains of the children 
of Israel in the desert, wilderness or desert, better translated probably, of Paran. The only thing that's uh, between uh, them at Paran and the land of Canaan, the promised land, is the wilderness or the desert of Zin, Z-I-N, verse 4. And these were their names of the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zakur. And I'm going to go through these rather quickly, so bear with me. Verse 5, of the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Horai. Verse 6, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Now, of the twelve that are encouraged to be courageous and, and take on this task, Caleb is the only one who really uh, is all in. Uh, and he will be rewarded. In chapter 14, we learn that because he had a spirit uh, like the Lord's, which was for Israel to, to go into the promised land and take it, uh, he was the only one that stood up and said, that land is ours. Uh, when the others were all making up slanderous reports, as we'll see in a, in later in this lecture, in other words, they were making up false stories and saying, no, we can't take that land. Uh, Joshua, uh, representing the tribe of Ephraim, uh, will join Caleb a, a little later in the, the game. Uh, and for that, the reward for, uh, Jos uh, for Joshua and Caleb, uh, they will be the only two, not only out of these 12 that are going in to check out the land of Canaan, they're the only two out of the two million that will make it to the promised land. Uh, more on that when we get to chapter 14, verse 7. Of the tribe of Issachar, Igal, the son of Joseph. Verse 8. Of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshea, the son of Nun. And this is uh, none other than Joshua. Uh, we'll have that clarified when we get to verse 16. But Oshea, uh, is a form of this, the, the name Joshua. Verse 9, of the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu. Verse 10, of the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodai. And the, I mentioned that uh, Joshua and Caleb will be the only two out of these 12 to make it to the promised land. The other 10 won't live very long because uh, God does not like those who make up false reports, uh, especially when it means getting in the way uh, of God's plan, hindering uh, God's will from coming to pass. What was his will? That Israel would move into the promised land. Verse 11. Of the tribe of Joseph, namely of the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi. We already had Ephraim, the other son of Joseph, mentioned uh, with Oshea, or Joshua. Verse 12. Of the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gimali. Verse 13. Of the tribe of Asher, Sether, the son of Michael. Uh, verse 14, of the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Vosi, and last but not least, verse 15, of the tribe of Gad, 
Guiel, the son of Machai. Verse 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called O'Shea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Joshua, if you take it back to the Hebrew language, uh, the same origin of the word, the name Jesus in the New Testament, and just in a different language. Stay with me. Yeshua is the the Hebrew word from which Joshua and Jesus both originate. Yeshua uh, is, if you translate it rather than transliterate it, Yahweh's Savior, and and it would be Joshua. Who, who was a servant to Moses from a very early age, as we learned in our last lecture. But it would be Joshua that God would select to uh, finally deliver Israel into the promised land. That's those who were 19 years and younger at the numbering. More on that in the, the latter part of this lecture or next lecture, verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain. And this not very definitive, what he's saying here, telling them uh, to go south first, which the promised land was north, but he's telling them to take the roads, because the going would be much easier south, approximately nine miles from where they're at there at Paran, and then head east, and, and they would be in the mountains. The mountains uh, that he's talking about would be part of Palestine of today, the very southern portion of the land of Canaan, verse 18. And see the land, or, or check the land out, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and uh, sizing up the enemy, which is a, a good military strategy. Jesus himself in Luke chapter 14, verse 31 says, What king goeth to war with 10,000 against a king who has 20,000 without uh, considering whether he can uh, meet him and, and be victorious. And if he can't, he sends ambassadors uh, to make peace. <clears throat> Verse 19, And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, whether they again are nomadic people who live in tents or whether they live in walled cities. And, you know, God knew that the land was good. He told them it's a land that flows with milk and honey. And back in verse 1 and 2, God said, send men into the land of Canaan, but make a note of Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 22. Uh, for it wasn't Moses' idea or God's idea to send these spies to check out the promised land. It was the people's idea. They presented the idea to Moses. Moses took the idea to God and God approved and that's how this ended up happening. So don't let this throw you that uh, God needed to send men to check out the land of Canaan. 
God knew full well what the land of Canaan was like. Uh, he created it, verse 20. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether the soil is fertile or uh, not uh, good, not no nutrients in it. Whether there be wood therein, or are there trees? We're going to need trees to uh, build sheepcocks and, and to burn for heat, and etc., uh, for houses, for other buildings, or not, and be ye of good courage, uh, only two would be of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes, and this would be late July or early August in the part of the world therein, depending on what the weather had been like in the spring uh, and the summer. The harvest time, though, first ripe grapes, 21. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as men come to Hamoth. And what this is saying, Hamoth is the, the northern boundary of the land of Canaan. So this is saying they searched it from the south uh, to the north. Verse 22 and they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahimon, Shishai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Anak uh, being the descendants of the Nephilim, uh, as we'll see in the next, uh, well, at the end of this lecture. Uh, but Anak, of course, being the, what we're talking about here are giants in Hebron, where they were. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt, and Zoan was a, a residence of the uh, Pharaoh in, in, in early times. Uh, Hebron was in existence as early as Abra, the time of Abraham, which goes back all the way to the book of Genesis. Hebron uh, eventually would end up in the tribe of Judah and was situate south of Jerusalem, verse 23. So they, they've worked their way up to the north to Hamath, and now they're coming back down south as being the point. 23, and they came into the brook or valley of Eskal and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. Now imagine a cluster of grapes so big that they would cut it off and use a stave or a pole and then two of these young men would bear this, the pole on their shoulders to carry this huge cluster of grapes. Now that's what I call a land that flows with milk and honey. Verse 24, the place was called the Brook Eskal and was called uh, Brook Eskal because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. The fruit of the land was very good. 25, and they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And those of you who have studied biblical numerics know the number 40 is probation. Uh, will these 12 uh, pass the probation? Let's find out. Verse 26. 
And they, these are the twelve, went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They showed them this huge cluster of grapes and the pomegranates and the figs. Now, Kadesh, uh, we're kind of jumping around in time here. Uh, when we left the third uh, uh, encampment site, this reads as though Kadesh were the next. It's not the next. Uh, in fact, when we get to chapter 33, you'll see that Kadesh is quite a ways down the list on the encampment sites. In Deuteronomy 1.19, Kadesh is called Kadesh Barnea, and it's a place in the desert. Uh, it's approximately 170 miles uh, north of Mount Sinai. So that's the reason I was explaining that we're jumping around in time because it would be, have been impossible in the sh a short period of time for this large, slow-moving group to travel 170 miles to Sinai. But uh, they went and checked out the land and came back uh, to show the fruit of the land and to tell Moses and the people of Israel what they learned. 27, and they told him, this being Moses, and said, <clears throat> we came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Look, look at the size of this cluster of grapes and these pomegranates and these figs. Uh, God was telling us the truth in Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. 28, nevertheless, or but, and this is a big but, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great, they're fortified, and very great not only refers to the size, but check it out in your strongs, it has to do with wickedness, as in supernatural uh, giants there is what we're getting at. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and we had an influx of fallen angels, Nephilim, in Genesis chapter 6. That was the purpose of Noah's flood, was to wipe out the seed line of the Nephilim, the, the giants, the Geber that were on earth. But as early as Genesis chapter two, uh, 12, excuse me, in the time of Abram, before his name was even changed to Abraham, there was a second influx of the Nephilim, and Anak was a descendant of the second influx of the Nephilim. If you have a companion Bible, uh, what is it, Appendix 25, I believe it is, and then Appendix 23 also uh, goes into the fallen angels, the Nephilim, the first influx, the second influx, and the third future influx. But there were giants in the land. Verse 29, the Amalekites, now these would be uh, descendants of uh, Amalek, obviously, but who was he? He was the grandson of Esau. 
these were the first people who attacked Israel uh, when they came out of Egypt uh, on their journey. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, uh, those that reside in Jebus, which would become known more familiar to you as Jerusalem after David conquered it. And the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, the Mediterranean, and by the coast of Jordan, and many of these had also mixed with the giants, the fallen angels, the Geber. And now don't confuse uh, Kenites with a K with Canaanites with a C. Uh, all of these, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, were all tribes known as Canaanites. Why were they called Canaanites with a C? Because they lived in the land of Canaan. Verse 30. And Caleb, uh, representing the tribe of Judah, one of the spies that went into the land, stilled the people before Moses. This means he, he hushed the people and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. Let us go up and seize the promised land, for we are well able to overcome it. I, I believe God. God said that's our land. Let's go in and take it. God said... I will go before you and defeat these giants. Uh, Caleb is the only one at this point of good courage. Uh, Joshua will join him, but at this point he's standing alone. Verse 21, But the men that went up with him, this is the other spies, said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. There you have unbelief in God. Uh, no confidence, no faith in God. God said, I will go before you and I will give you the victory. They're saying, no, we can't go up. Uh, we can't be victorious against this people. Uh, doubting God's plan, uh, worse, there being a roadblock uh, to God's will being accomplished. Verse 32, and they brought up an evil, this is a slanderous report, of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Those guys are big. This uh, eateth up the inhabitants. It means that the, the land is so plentiful that, that nations uh, uh, strive for it. In other words, even if we go in and take the land, somebody else is going to come along and try and take it from us. Verse 33. And there we saw the giants. And here the, the Hebrew word is nephil for giants. And it's from the prime nafal, which is uh, the fallen angels of, of, of Genesis chapter 6. The sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. We're approximately 857 years after the flood of Noah's, ti Noah's time 
And again, the second influx of giants had already come back. And this was Satan's plan to destroy or pollute the seed line through from Eve through which Messiah would come. You see, if, if Satan could have kept Messiah from being born and accomplishing his mission, uh, Satan would have won. Um, chapter 14, things really fall apart. And let's just go with it. Chapter 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And after Caleb and the other witnesses' testimony, uh, they're standing in the entrances to their tents, uh, weeping for fear of the giants. Total unbelief and no confidence that God would deliver them uh, from these giants. Caleb uh, told them, let's go, it's our land. Would they listen to Caleb? Verse 2, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And I'll add, and against God, because Moses and Aaron were trying to accomplish uh, God's will and plan. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? If you have a companion Bible, you have a note on this, these phrases, and it's figuratively an eonismos. And, and what they're saying here is, uh, we wish that we were, had died in the land of Egypt, or we wish we had died in this wilderness. You know, you want to be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Uh, you see, Joshua and Caleb will be the only one of the adults of this group who will enter the promised land, the land of Canaan. Everyone else will die in this wilderness. This murmur will come back to haunt the people of Israel. Verse 3, And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword? that our wives and our children should be a prey or become slaves, were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? Wouldn't it just be better if we turned around now and went back to Egypt? You know, we can worship Pharaoh and his gods and we can enjoy those fish and the, the cucumbers and the melons and the garlic and, and the onions, you know, there's a, a, a captivity and bondage that's coming in the not-so-distant future. Uh, it's the captivity to the Antichrist. And, you know, there are going to be some who stand like Caleb was willing to do. And Joshua, I'll add, because he joins in with Caleb here shortly. But... Uh, which party, which group are you going to be in? Are you going to be in the group that says, let's just go back to Egypt? Things were so much easier there. And, you know, it really wasn't that bad worshiping Pharaoh and, and his gods. Well, that's what Antichrist is going to want is for you to worship him. Uh, some will stand uh, for Christ as Caleb and Joshua stood against the, the, the entire congregation. Uh, some are going to say, 
let's not do God's plan, let's turn around and go back. Uh, I hope you're in the group that says, march on, let's go. That land is ours, the promised land of the future. Verse 4, And they said one to another, these are the people of Israel, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Now this is rebellion, out and out mutiny against God's plan. God's plan was for them to enter the promised land, the land of Canaan. They're saying, let's make a captain to lead us back to Egypt. At Horeb or Sinai, they made a golden calf to lead them. Now they will make a captain to lead them. You know, God, they had seen what God was capable of doing over and over and over, miracle after miracle after miracle. And would you rather have a God, that a leader, I should say, such as God, who, who can do miracles? Or would you rather have a man to, to follow, to lead you? And so uh, they're making some bad choices here. Verse 5, Moses and Aaron realize they're making some bad choices. Verse 5, then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And here they're not uh, bowing down to the people of Israel. Uh, they're openly praying. Uh, uh, verse 6, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephthah, uh, which were of them that searched the land, the twelve spies, rent their clothes. And they, they, just, they realize too and are distressed by the reaction of the people and what the people are about to do. Only two out of the twelve, only two out of the two million uh, who will enter the promised land. I see in Joshua and Caleb a type for the two witnesses. Uh, when no one else will stand, the two witnesses uh, will stand and witness against the Antichrist. The elect will be there with them. Verse 7, And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, this is Joshua and Caleb, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. In the Hebrew, this is a very, very good land. Verse 8, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. They're trying to talk the people out of making the mistake of appointing a captain to lead them back to Egypt. And you know, the Lord would delight in them if they would try doing things his way. They had not been giving him very much reason to delight in them, constant uh, belly aching, complaining, uh, unbelief, distrust, no confidence. Verse 9, only rebel, and that's what they were doing, out and out rebellion, not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, fear them not. This word defense, many of you with uh, 
reference Bibles have a reference in your column that this in the Hebrew is shadow. And, you know, God was visible manifestation of a cloud uh, shading the people, defending the people. Uh, this, they were like bread for us. Uh, this is saying that they will melt uh, like the manna that God sends us from heaven in the sun. Verse 10, and we'll stop for the day. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. No, they didn't listen to Joshua and Caleb. They said, stone them to death. We're going to appoint a captain to lead us back to the land of Egypt where we had it so, so good. Well, the glory of the Lord appeared over the tabernacle. Do you think he's happy with what he's hearing from the people of Israel? No, he's not happy at all. Don't miss the next lecture. We've got a short message. We'll ask you to listen a moment, won't you please? Genesis 1:46, the first six chapters in God's Word. The world that was. Did you realize there was a world age before this one? Same old world, different age. The creation itself. When were the races created? You see, all the races were created separately, and you'll find that documented in these particular CDs. How and what was the sin in the garden? It will be discussed in this series also. This is a must for the serious Bible scholar, for if you do not understand how it was in the beginning, you certainly will never understand the end. I think you will find this series very rewarding and certainly will answer questions that no doubt you have always wondered about. Genesis 1.46 Hey, I know you're going to enjoy this series. Welcome back. We're glad you could join back with us. Let's have the 800 number, please. 800-643-4645. That number good throughout Puerto Rico, the U.S., and Canada. If you have a biblical question that you'd like to be answered on the air, feel free to call that number and leave your question. Uh, please, we do ask that you not ask questions about a specific individual denomination or organization by name. Uh, we teach God's Word in a positive manner. Throwing out negative about others by name serves no purpose. We simply won't do it. We'll let God's Word do the teaching, the correcting, and the healing. If you're listening by shortwave radio or studying via the internet uh, somewhere around the world that's not able to use that 800 number, your announcer at the end of the hour will give you our mailing address. Quite all right to mail your questions in. Got a prayer request? Well, you don't need a telephone number. We can do away with it. Uh, you don't need a mailing address. We, I encourage you to talk to your Heavenly Father. Make time each day at least once a day to, to talk with your father. And you should be able to talk to him just like he's your earthly father. You should have that close of a relationship with him. And you know, your relationship with him doesn't depend on him. He's the same yesterday, the same today, and he will be the same tomorrow. Your relationship that you have with your heavenly father depends on you and you alone. 
We do have these prayer requests. We come united as one in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you to look upon these. Uh, you know their needs, Father, uh, financial difficulties, uh, marriage problems. Uh, you know, Father, if it is your will, a special blessing on each of these. And uh, we lift up our military troops who are in harm's way around the world, Father. We ask you to watch over, guide, direct, touch, heal in Yeshua Jesus' precious name. Amen and thank you, Father. All right, let's get to some questions and see what's on the mind of folks around the country. First up today, Doris in New York. <clears throat> when the fallen angels come to earth, are humans capable of killing them or can only God do that? You see, they're not in the flesh and humans have uh, the capability of taking a human flesh life uh, or a flesh life of animals even. Uh, you cannot uh, affect or cause the second death of a human being. Uh, only God has that capability. Uh, thank you for helping my husband and I to see the light. No other pastor has helped us like you and your church have. God bless all of you and keep you in good health. Well, thank you for that and right back at you, Doris. And, and you know, the, the thing that you need to be aware about these angels, uh, Paul taught us in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, you want to have Christ over your head. You don't want to get the shotgun and start shooting at them, okay? Uh, which is kind of what I take from your question. Um, just be aware who they are and that they are intent on uh, taking women. Uh, they're also intent on uh, helping Satan accomplish his plan. They are going to fail. And why are they going to fail? Partially because of some of you uh, who are God's election. And you are going to stand like Caleb and Joshua did in our lecture today and, and tell the truth, the, speak the truth, and, and uh, that's the way it is. Charlie in North Carolina, can you please explain the meaning of dead in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17? And mostly what it states in verse uh, 13 through 17 is sleep. Uh, dead appears there in, in uh, verse 16 where it states the dead in Christ. What that's talking about are those who have died. Uh, what Jesus, what Paul is teaching us there is those of us who remain in the flesh until the coming of Christ cannot prevent, which is an old English word meaning precede those who are dead in Christ which means those who before uh, the Antichrist appears and before Christ returns uh, pass away believing in Christ. That's our subject in verse 13. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant where those who are asleep are as the, the heathen are, those who have no hope. And that's where they pull the rapture from as 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 uh, it's not talking about us flying away to, to be with Jesus. Helen in Wisconsin, confused about angels. If we were all angels, then born of water, then how is there, are there angels to help now if there's been no judgment yet? Well, you're missing the point. I think, Helen, everyone 
who isn't in a flesh body right now is in a spiritual body. Not all of the souls that God created in the first earth age are on earth at the same time. We have a continual uh, cycle of birth and death, birth and death. And so those who have already been in the flesh and have passed away are now back in spiritual bodies. Uh, you could call them angels. Uh, no one is dead until the great white throne judgment occurs in Revelation chapter 20. And then you have two options, the lake of fire, which destroys forever and ever, blots out never to be thought of again, or the eternity with our Heavenly Father. Gloria in Minnesota, where does it say in the Bible who's, who Mary's mother was? Well, it doesn't say who Mary's mother was. However, we can deduce that Mary's mother was a Levite more specifically. Uh, we can deduce that Mary's mother was of the daughters of Aaron. In other words, she was uh, born of the priestly families. And we determine this or deduce this by several facts recorded in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 3 of Luke. In chapter 1 of Luke, we learn that Elizabeth was of the daughters of Aaron in verse 5. And she was married to uh, the father of John the Baptist. And uh, Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. You can document that in verse 36 of chapter 1 of Luke, which means Mary's mother and Elizabeth's mother were sisters and both of the daughters of Aaron, the priestly family. And to further document that, if you go to chapter 3, we know it's her mother that was of the tribe of Aaron because in chapter 3 we learn that Mary's father was of the tribe of Judah. Uh, Heli was his name, and that's where you can find the uh, genealogy of Jesus Christ all the way back to the first man, Adam. Shirley in Nevada, I thought Armageddon was during the five-month period. Then we would go to the thousand-year period. Please help me understand uh, the chronological order of events of this time. Well, Jesus Christ fights Armageddon and Haman Gog. Uh, at that point in time, God's elect, uh, our work for the, the, period, the time period is done. And we're to sit, sit, step back and stay out of the way because that is the Lord's battle. And that means that he has to be here to, uh, uh, to, to, to conduct that battle. And that means that we are already at the Lord's day when Armageddon and Hamagog happen because uh, the Lord is here. He returns at the seventh trump and then Armageddon and Hamagog happen immediately after that. Uh, it won't take long for him to be the Lord to be victorious uh, over the enemies of God. Dennis in South Carolina, what does Selah means? And Selah is utilized mostly in the book of Psalms. Uh, however, it does appear three times in the minor prophet book of Habakkuk. 
It means a, literally a suspension or a stop of music. Uh, that's to say a pause in the music. I like to think of sila as meaning stop, uh, pause, meditate. Uh, something that has been said in the previous scripture is about to be connected with something that's said after the sila. Um, and that's what sila means. Actually a musical term. Nathan in Maryland, where will the line be between God's grace and the point that God's grace won't be extended to you? Well, uh, we are in the dispensation of grace uh, right now and that uh, grace is available to anyone who asks for it and has a repentant heart and asks for forgiveness of their sins. They will be forgiven. This dispensation ends when Jesus returns at the second advent, in my opinion. And what happens from there is up to each individual. Uh, those who have never had a chance uh, to hear the truth will have a chance to hear the truth. No one's dead, uh, second death, the death of the soul, until after the great white throne judgment. Tom in Arizona, and by the way, it, it is God's will that all come to repentance and that none would perish. I can document that uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it's where it states that our Father is long-suffering. That means He's patient, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Tom in Arizona, is there any reference in the Bible to the three baptism? And I don't, I'm, the only thing I can come up with in your question is are you talking about the baptism of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And there's a reference in the Bible, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Now you'll have some that will say that Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says that we should be baptized in the name of Jesus and they take that literally to mean Jesus and Jesus alone. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit uh, if you are, are really inseparable and uh, we baptize here at the chapel in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Peter in Nevada, was Adam and Eve created on the eighth day? Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, you're at the seventh day uh, in the creation. In verse 7, God formed eth ha-adam, I speak the Hebrew, which is with the article, the man, Adam. And we often refer to this as the eighth day creation as opposed to the sixth day creation of Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Artie in Arkansas, can I get Pastor Arnold's studies on DVD? Most uh, everything that we have available on cassette tape and CD uh, is available on uh, for a short period of time. VHS tape, uh, well, as long as we can get the materials, we'll keep doing VHS or DVD. Now the very early messages there was no video made, so of course those are not available on DVD or VHS, but only on cassette tape uh, or CD. 
So the next time you're writing in, uh, already uh, ask for a list of the uh, uh, materials that we offer on DVD. We have a list made up for you for the asking. Rosemary, and don't know where Rosemary's from. I have been going uh, from church to church and I'm not being fed as I am fed by your teachings. Is it wrong for my family and I to stay at home and study Father's Word with you? I learn so much more from your teachings. Well, you are welcome uh, to study God's Word with us, and I'm sure God would see nothing wrong with your learning uh, His Word. And many churches, unfortunately, today uh, never quite get around to teaching God's Word. Uh, they're too busy teaching the traditions of men, and that uh, turns a lot of people off, especially if you've ever heard the truth and, and understood the truth. It's hard to go back. It's impossible to go back, I'll say. Thomas, in I guess this is North Carolina, I would like to know if your signal still plays on the big dish. Also, what frequency does it come on? Uh, and we have not and we are not moving uh, from Galaxy uh, 16, Transponder 16. Uh, there are some changes in the works. Uh, the 1st of April, uh, it will be a much uh, more limited use of Transponder 16, but you still will be able to get the signal on Galaxy 16, Transponder 16. Uh, in fact, you probably at this point in time uh, with your receiver, uh, do you don't have to move your dish. We're still right in the same spot that we always have been or have been for many, many years. Uh, but do an auto program or an auto tune with your receiver and it will find where you need to be to receive our program. But um, and, and that's all I'll say on that. Uh, if you have trouble with it, you might uh, consult our website, uh, www.shepherdschapel.com, and look for uh, information on that uh, C-band satellite signal, and it will give you instructions. Marie in Missouri, <clears throat> the, the reason I am writing my brother says he wants to be cremated. I don't believe in cremation. I think it is a sin that cannot be forgiven. What is your opinion? Well, I'd like you to ask you, Marie, to document in God's Word where it states that cremation is a sin. Uh, you won't find it. Uh, it's not biblical. Uh, you know, when we're through with these flesh bodies, uh, the flesh the returns to the earth, ashes to ashes, dust to us, dust, earth to earth. Uh, we will never need the flesh again. Uh, how the dead flesh returns to the dust, ashes, or the earth uh, makes no difference. So there is nothing wrong with cremation. Now, you know, a lot of funeral homes uh, uh, they're willing to charge you $10,000 for a casket and a full-blown funeral, but you don't have to go to that extent uh, when cremation is available. It's a lot more affordable uh, means. And what are funerals for? 
Well, funerals aren't for the dead, I'll tell you that. They're, they're already in a much better place than we here in the flesh are. Funerals are for those who remain here alive. But nothing wrong with cremation and then having a memorial service uh, for the funeral. Alice uh, from Michigan. I listened to you early in the morning. Let's get to your question. Well, I guess the whole thing is. I listened to you early in the morning and right after dinner, I thank God for you. And well, we appreciate you watching the program. I am a 63-year-old disabled woman. I live with my sister and her family. They are all unbelievers. I live in a downstairs bedroom. Lately, I have been pestered by evil spirits in my room. Since I started listening to you and your program, I am no longer afraid of the vexing spirits. I have anointed my door with anointing oil. They are no longer in my room. But when I leave my door open, the creatures manifest themselves right outside my door and in the hallway. I love the Father and trust Him with my well-being, but I am at a loss with this problem. I can't tell my family about them because they would not understand. Remember, the people I live with are non-believers. They live in the rest of the house. Anointing the rest of the house would be voided out because they are unbelievers. Well, I disagree. Uh, you can, there's nothing to prohibit you from anointing the door, the in, main entrance to that home. Uh, you don't have to even do it out loud, uh, Alice, uh, if you don't, can't ever do, be there by yourself to do it. Uh, just do it in, in, your, in your mind and anoint the doorpost and you order uh, with the olive oil, of course, and you order all negative evil out of that house in the name of Jesus Christ. And for those who come in and out who are unbelievers, you order the piggybackers, is what I call them, out. And you make a little graveyard out in the backyard or front yard, and you bury those spirits, these evil spirits there. And I'm, I'm being a little bit uh, uh, fun with that, but uh, you order them out in the name of Jesus Christ, and, and you can protect the whole house, not just your room. You're never alone, dear. Laura from Colorado. Are the fallen angels born of woman or do they die? Have they always been? They just somehow supernaturally plant themselves into society as doctors and scientists. I have experienced a few. Uh, you have not experienced any of the fallen angels, Laura. You're, you're confused about what they are, when they were here, now, they are coming back. Uh, Paul warns us of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But right now, you can read where the fallen angels are in Jude chapter 1, verse 6, where it states that they left their habitation. That was in Genesis chapter 6. They left heaven, in other words, without being born of woman. They came to earth. They saw the daughters of Adam and liked what they saw. They went into them, and the result were the Geber, the giants who were in the land at the time. But right now, they're in chains of darkness unto judgment. Uh, they are going to be loosed one more time with Satan. 
Elizabeth in New Jersey, will you please explain the estimations of Leviticus 27 and are they of any application to us today? And they're not of any application to us today. Uh, what the estimation and Leviticus 27 is uh, concerning vows and what you redeem a vow and uh, the price of a uh, male child is given, the price of a female child, and the estimations were given by the priest as the value. Many, much of that was given to them by our, our Father. I am out of time. I want you all to know that I love you a great deal. Why? Because you enjoy studying God's Word in depth. You know, it makes Father's Day when he looks down and he sees you reading the letter he wrote to you, the Bible. We are brought to you by your tithes and offerings. If we've helped you, help us keep coming to you and to reach out to others who are lost in this world of darkness. There's one thing that's most important, beloved, and it's this. You stay in His Word every day. Every day in Father's Word is a good day, even with trouble. Do you know why? It's because Jesus is the living Word. Hearing God's Word with understanding will change your life. We hope you have enjoyed studying God's Word here on the Shepherd's Chapel Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Dennis Murray. If you would like to receive more information concerning Shepherd's Chapel, you may request our free introductory offer. Our introductory offer contains the Mark of the Beast CD, our monthly newsletter with a written Bible study, a CD catalog, and a list of written reference works available through Shepherd's Chapel. To request our free introductory offer by telephone, call 800-643-4645, 24 hours a day. You may also request our introductory offer by writing to Shepherd's Chapel, P.O. Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. Once again, that's Shepherd's Chapel, P.O. Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. We invite you to join us for the next in-depth Bible study each weekday at the same time. Thank you for watching today's program, and God bless you.